I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, and uh, welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. This week, uh, I'm going to read the preposterously unlikely plight of Lucius the Llama by Spooky Book I Write. Uh, about the author, there's nothing about the author. I found this story, this delightful little story, on Reddit. Uh, and, uh, so I try to look up uh, anything about the author, and they never have anything. So I found their account on Twitter and Wattpad, and they just say, I write books. Spooky books. So then on Reddit, they just say, I write horror books. So that's all you're going to get about the author, uh, which leaves me with almost nothing until the grandfather clock goes off. The goddamn grandfather clock. So I decided I'm going to go to grunge.com. My go-to when I need filler of some sort. It's a website where they try to write things as if they're a real cool teen. Uh, pretty annoying to read out loud. So uh, I picked the article, What was Jim Seals of Seals and Croft's net worth when he died? Which seems ridiculous uh, and meaningless. So let's read that till the clock goes off. Jim Seals, one half of the hit-making soft rock duo Seals and Crofts, died on June 6, 2022 at the age of 80. According to Variety, his death was confirmed by several sources close to the musician, and at the time of this writing, Jim Seals' cause of death is unknown, per The Guardian. On learning of the news of Jim Seals' passing, which I'm sure the world was shook, uh, fellow musician and friend John Ford Coley, another person I've never heard of, called the singer one of a kind in a Facebook statement. <laughs> I am very sad over this, but I have some of the best memories of us together. Rest in peace, Jimmy, Coley wrote. <laughs> Along with his songwriting partner, Daryl George Dash Crofts. <laughs> This almost seems like a joke article about like a non-existent band. Seals and Crofts built their career around harmonies and a style of pop songwriting that came to be known as soft rock. As their page on All Music explains, among their biggest hits was Summer Breeze. Oh, I've heard of that song from the 1972 album of that same name that sold more than one million copies, as The Guardian also notes give a lot of credit to The Guardian in this article. After parting ways in 1980, the duo would reunite uh, for one further studio album, Traces, in 2004. Given his success in the music business, uh, the singer, songwriter, and guitarist had a sizable net worth uh, at the time he died. Jim Seals was worth as much as $11 million. At the time that Jim Seals' death was announced, reports of his net worth varied from $4 million via We Published News, uh, as much as $11 million per the TV Guide Time. <laughs> Elsewhere, net worth post uh, pins his net worth at roughly $7 million. That financial success came in part from both the album and the song Summer Breeze, which reached number one on the charts, but also from as many as 6 million albums sold from their catalog. 
according to best-selling albums. This entire article is just sculpted and uh, just picked from any other article written about it. I don't think this person actually did any of their own research. Their most successful album, Tonight, was not Summer Breeze at all, but the soft rock duo's 1975 compilation of greatest hits, which moved 2 million copies alone per best-selling albums. On the news of Jim Seal's passing, John Ford Coley also said via Facebook, Ah, this is a hard one on so many levels, as this is a musical era passing for me, and it will never pass this way again. Whatever the hell that means. At this time of death, Jim Seals was married to Ruby Jean Anderson, with whom he had three children, Joshua, uh, Juliet, and Sutherland, as the Guardian reports. <laughs> Damn it, the grandfather clock still hasn't gone off. I have like a ton of time left. Uh, what's going on in my life? Girlfriend got a job. Uh, which is nice for her because she can get out of the house and get the hell away from me. I'm sure she appreciates that. And on top of it, she met a new friend, so she doesn't need old Glenn anymore. So with that, thank God the grandfather clock's going out. Let's dive into this story. The preposterously unlikely plight of Lucius the Llama by Spooky Book I Write, found on Reddit. Ibarra, Ecuador, 2014. Llamas, eh, llamas for sale, broadcast to the street vendor. Four in the lot, uh, buy them all for a discount. Crowds of uninterested shoppers passed as quickly as possible, doing their best to avoid eye contact with the merchant and hold their nose to avoid the smell of the dirty llamas. In a cage trailer behind the loud man, four llamas stood conversing about their soon-to-come fate. Hey, he's, uh, he's never going to sell us yelling like that, said Santiago, a large, pearly white llama with a singular black spot that seemed to imitate a, a saddle laid across his back. He's got to have passion. Uh, find someone admiring us and go up to him and engage in private conversation. Uh, sell him on us. This man's a fool. Why are you so eager to be sold, Santiago? asked a slightly smaller brown and gray spotted llama named Diego. In a rush uh, to become someone's stew? <laughs> I'm not going to be anyone's stew, you fool. Do you, do you see this coat? He turned his long neck and made a nodding motion to his saddle patch. I am a showpiece. A staple of a ranch, a fixture to be adored by all. They would not waste a prize such as me for a simple meal. You, on the other hand, I, I could see you being served the side of rice and conscious. Oh, Diego, side-eyed Santiago for a few seconds before breaking into a chuckle. Whatever, yeah, whatever you say, yeah, showpiece. <laughs> Make sure you keep that same attitude when we're, when we're plated next to each other. From behind them, a third llama was shaking violently, trying to keep his composure. Will, will, will you, you two shut up, said Sebastian in a rage. We have already been dragged off to be sold at market. It's not bad enough for you two. Uh, who knows what'll happen to us now? You joke about being eaten as if we, it were not a likely possibility. We've been here all day, and no rancher has shown the slightest interest in any one of us. Soon, 
the slaughterhouse workers will come and get us for a discount uh, once the market's closed. So can we please spend our final hours not talking about our death? Sebastian finished his last sentence, out of breath, his, his brown coat heaving as he struggled to catch his breath. Oh, ting! The three llamas turned in unison toward the noise. Ping! Uh, what are you doing, amigo? asked Santiago, watching the fourth llama kick at the cylindrical bars of their cage with his front hoof. Clink! Nothing, said Lucius. I'm not sharing any of my oats with you, idiot. Taking it back for a second, Santiago composed himself, rose to his full height, and bellowed at Lucius. Uh, what did you, what'd you just say to me? I said I'm not doing anything, answered Lucius, paying no attention to Santiago's posture. I, I, I wish this ugly guy would quit bothering me. At the second insult, Santiago charged Lucius, but Diego got in his way and began to explain, uh, this, is, uh, this is Lucius, Santiago. He's, uh, he's a bit different. Diego leaned in close to the other two llamas and whispered, he has this condition, reverse broadcasting syndrome. Basically, he states out all of his thoughts uh, out loud without realizing it. It got him in uh, lots of trouble back at the ranch. Ah, I see, said Santiago, still a little perplexed. He walked over to Lucius and observed him kicking the cage for a few seconds before interrupting. So, uh, why are you hitting the cage? You know you can't break through them, right? These are iron bars. Oh, I'm not trying to break out. Uh, what, uh, what are you doing? Lucius looked nervously and then answered, I'm testing the bars of the cage to make sure that they won't break when we get put on a truck. Smirking, Lucius returned to his task. Fool, I'm trying to break open these bars and uh, eat all of the oats stored in them and I'll get them all to myself. Santiago and Sebastian stared in disbelief at the stupidity of this llama. There's no way he could honestly believe the bars of the cage were filled with oats. Uh, no one was that foolish, right? Uh, so, uh, uh, this is also the part of his condition? Asked Sebastian. No, answered Diego. Sadly, he's just really stupid. And it always has been. I see. Lucius kicked at the bars of the cage for the better part of an hour before finally giving up. Outside, a man in a blue uniform walked up to the merchant, selling the llamas and engaged in conversation. Oh, oh, the llamas looked out in horror as the merchant smiled and shook hands with the man in the blue uniform, and they knew their fates were sealed. Within the next hour, the sun began to set. The llamas were just about to drift off to sleep when a pair of them, uh, a pair of blinding headlights, beamed at them. Sebastian uh, began to sob, and the others felt their hearts sink into one of their three stomachs. A large flatbed truck pulled up next to the llamas, and a crane lifted their cage onto it. Despite their despair, oh, weariness overtook them, and they cuddled up for the night. Yeah, and the turns and bumps of the road uh, created a lullaby that guided them to rest. With their damning fates before them, they dreamt of freedom. Of the cage breaking open of the four of them, bounding off to the pastures of green, uh, dotted by ponds with enough water to satisfy their daily requirement of two to three gallons of water, as the sun eclipsed over the horizon and bathed the land between, uh, beneath in a violent and crimson shower of early morning illumination, Sebastian awoke. His mouth was scratchy and dry. He realized that he had been chewing on Lucius's curly beige coat all night long. And his coughing and sputtering awoke the rest of the group. They stretched their legs and they brushed their fur against the side of the cage. Within minutes, their stomachs informed them they were quite hungry. Uh, looking around, they saw that they had been uh, pressed against the backside of the cage. Their heads were small enough to pit, uh, fit through and enjoy breakfast. 
And though this hay wasn't enough to satisfy the daily intake of 2-4% to of the total body weight, which equates to about 10-12 pounds of hay daily, it was enough to have a satisfactory breakfast. Santiago rose from his breakfast and his eyes met the sight of lush, enchanted rolling hills that were draped in early morning fog that seemed to lay like cotton atop them. Uh, frosted dew covered every blade of grass and made the dry hay that they had enjoyed just moments before seem entirely unappetizing. Beyond the hills were untamed forests of tasty greenery. The thought of leaving all of this beauty behind sickened him to the core. In this moment, Santiago knew he wasn't ready to die. Uh, I gotta figure out a way out of here, he said. Without hesitation, Lucius bolted at the back gate and threw his body full onto it without reserve. However, the gate held strong and Lucius was flung back onto the ground, uttering breathless groans and sputtering and failing attempts to regain his breath. <sighs> uttered Lucius. I, th- I can't. He sucked in large lungfuls of air, which were followed by intense wheezing as his damaged llama body attempted to recover from the wreck sack. Uh, why... Why'd you do that? asked a bewildered Diego. You, you, you said Lucius took a few more deep breaths before continuing. You said you guys wanted to escape, so I tried to break down the gate. Does this guy know the first thing about escaping? Did you honestly expect to break through the gate? asked Diego, shocked at the unyielding stupidity of Lucius. No. Yes. I just wanted to inspire you three and make you see that with enough determination, we can make it out of this. We will not be stew. Well, with that, it reminds me of a better way to keep llamas in any kind of cage. Uh, you can do it with bars, and bars are, uh, they, uh, they got gaps in between them. You got a lot of air between each bar. And the problem with that is that, uh, I don't know, if you kick your hooves at it long enough, you're probably going to be able to break one of them. And if you're skinny enough, you can kind of slide between the two of them, which is exactly what these llamas are trying to do. You know how you can't do that? You can't do that with three-inch thick glass. Where can you get that glass? From Stephen Dorglas over at Dorglass Incorporated. D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com. They're dedicated to fabricating and professionally installing the highest quality glass products for the nation's top manufacturers. Their inventory, combined with their years of experience, makes them the premier source for installation and repair. They approach every project with the same goals. Professionalism, integrity, and most importantly, they're discreet. It's not humane to keep llamas in a glass cube because there's not a lot of air that gets through that. They sweat a lot, and you're basically just torturing them. You can ask anyone that works at some kind of uh, uh, farm that uh, farms chickens for McDonald's. Uh, they cram in all sorts of stuff, and then you got peat all over you. And you don't want peat all over you. You're not going to want peat all over you when you got llamas that you keep in a cage, a cage made of a glass cube. It's a secret that they'll keep for you as you keep them in a completely unbreakable environment. What do they do? Commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, and they design and build just about everything, even highly illegal, very secret glass cubes to keep your sweaty llamas in. Clients, Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Sherman-Williams, Portillo's, which is a sandwich place no one cares about, the Salt Cave. <sighs> it's a place in Minneapolis where they have these walls made of Himalayan salt. Behind those walls, they've illuminated them with lights so that you could do white people shit, like 
exercise, do hot yoga, just do normal yoga, and meditate, and just that kind of crap. And apparently you pay a shitload of money to sit in this dumb room and sweat and meditate and stretch, or whatever the hell you're supposed to do. And the one thing they say is, oh yeah, give us a ton of money. Oh, but just because you pay us a ton of money, unlimited amounts of money, doesn't mean you have any rights to touch our walls. It says on the website, don't touch the goddamn walls. If you touch the goddamn walls, you're going to call the cops on you, and you're never going to be able to come back to the little sweat room ever again. Uh, so there's that. Also, one of their clients is Applebee's. Well, with that, why don't we retire to my master bedroom here in the mansion, now that I'm back and I've given up the cabin bit, uh, where we can learn about the latest romance literature from Penguin Random House Books. Hold on. I'm coming. I just had to take a little tinkles. Oh, uh, that you Well, you're sitting there and you look normal. You're not wearing any kind of outfit at all. That's a first. You're just standing there with a sort of jilted expression on your face. Kind of a weird taking your lips and turned them up and pinched your eyes and nose real close to the center of your face. Pretty weird. Uh, oh, you're gesturing towards a book you left here on my silken sheets of my heart-shaped bed. Uh, the book says, Thank You, Next, by Andy J. Christopher. Uh, Thank You, Next is one of Amazon's best romances of June. Well, that's quite the claim. At least they're not trying to say they're one of your New York Times bestselling authors. Oh, wait. Over here where it talks about the author, it says, USA Today's bestselling author, Andy J. Christopher, writes sharp, witty, sexy, contemporary romance about complex people finding happily ever after. Well, all right. Oh, they were featured in NPR. That's different. Cosmopolitan, Washington Post. This might actually be a real author. Well, let's read the uh, summary and find out how good this shit's going to be. Alex Turner is never the one, but always the last one, and ex dates before finding love. And now she's determined to find out why in this hilarious new rom-com. Single, divorce attorney Alex Turner is watching reality TV when she sees her latest ex's new fiancé picking out her wedding dress. How the hell does that happen? I've never watched TV and seen an ex fiance picking out like a tux or something. What the hell are they talking about? Yet again, uh, the guy she dumped went on to marry, in parentheses, or at least seriously commit to. The hell's that supposed to mean? The next person he dates after her. Fed up with being the precursor to happily ever after, she decides to interview all her exes and find out why. Up and coming chef Will Harkness. Uh, mixes with Alex like oil and vinegar. <laughs> and forced proximity grows up, uh, meaning that their lives are forever entwined. And when Will learns Alex and her friends are going on a wild romp through Los Angeles to reconnect with her ex-boyfriends, he decides to tag along. And if he can discover what her exes did wrong, he can make sure he doesn't make the same mistake with Alex. On this nonstop journey through the streets of L.A., Alex realizes the answer to her question uh, might be the man riding shotgun. Well, this sounds like the stupidest thing that anyone's ever going to read. Uh, that's by Andy J. Christopher. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books Million, Bookshop.org, Hudson Booksellers, Indebound, Powell's, Target, and Walmart. Well, that was a waste of time, and I hate the expression on your face. So why don't we wrap it up here, because I'm not going to have sex with you when you're making a face like that at me. I want to hover over you with my sweaty face and my beautiful golden hair falling down around my shoulders. Looking down on you when you're looking at me with that pinched-up face, that little sour puss looking up at me just uh, like a jilted lover. So let's go back down and finish reading the rest of this story. 
Well, now that we're settled back here, ah, oh, you still got the goddamn face. Stop making that face. It's gonna hurt your face more than if you just relaxed it and let me let you uh, let me read you this story. Gonna keep making the face. God, you're a pile of shit. All right, well, well, that was uh, almost inspiring," said Santiago as he reached his long neck around and flipped the latch that kept the gate locked. He pushed the gate open with his front hoof and smirked at the at the other llamas before dismounting the truck. His llama body hit the asphalt of the highway at 83 kilometers, uh, obliterating all four of his legs at once and whipping his head to the ground, causing his vertebrae to shatter, killing him instantly. Uh, the others looked down in horror and utter disbelief as Santiago's body tumbled and skidded to a stop, leaving a trail of gore and blood, matted fur behind it. Uh, why, did we, why did he wait until we slowed down? Or at least until we were uh, at a curve or something, Sebastian asked. Uh, to no one in particular, trying to comprehend what he had just witnessed. Uh, that's just how it is on this bitch of an earth, <laughs> answered Lucius, looking on the corpse faded in the distance. Uh, uh, Diego couldn't help but agree. Uh, within the next ten minutes, the truck was forced to slow and let a gaggle of Southeast Asian nuns uh, cross the highway, common occurrence in Ecuador. Making the most of this opportunity, the remaining llamas safely jumped out of the cage and galloped down a sloping hill in order to hide from the mirrors of the truck in the case the driver happened to look back. Uh, with the sound of the hooves uh, filling the air, <laughs> hooves filling the air, at the wind on their faces and the three llamas had never felt so free. Oh, they maintained a steady pace of 64.3738 kilometers an hour. Uh, so, uh, what's the plan from here? Asked Sebastian. We head for America, answered Lucius proudly. Land of the free. I don't know if those freedoms extend to llamas, said Sebastian. Why wouldn't they? Asked Lucius, unable to come up with a retort. Sebastian was forced to agree. Over the next eight years, the group trotted their way up South and Central America. Eventually, they made it all the way to Mexico in one piece, and after a brief six-month drug-fueled vacciones in Puebla, they were finally close to the border. All that stood between them and freedom was an 18-mile stretch of desert along the eastern coast. All the three of them stood on a cliff overlooking the final leg of their adventure, and they had grown close over these last eight years. It had agreed to finally part ways and start new lives once they made it to America. Sebastian wanted to explore the wild Rockies and traverse the mountains all the way into Canada. Diego had his sights set on finishing medical school and opening up a family dentistry in downtown Minneapolis. Oh, honey! The story has a reference to a llama wanting to set up a dentistry in Minneapolis. Wow. You're not as impressed as I am? Wow. All right, fine. Where he could finally settle down. <laughs> the other two had asked Lucius what he planned to do many times, but he refused to answer, though he knew the answer clearly. He would think, and then would say aloud clearly for everyone to hear without realizing it, that he wanted to become a cashier at a local CVS and get employee discounts on bulk Coca-Cola Zero. Diego and Sebastian, not wanting to insult a disabled llama person, would pretend not to hear Lucius spilling his thoughts aloud. Well, uh, come on, guys. It's time to meet our destiny head on. Diego took one look back at his long road they had traveled and made his way toward the border. Nervous filled the llamas as they, or nerves, I said that wrong, filled the llamas as they got closer and closer to the border. With every gallop, their anxiety grew. 
They had come so far and were nearly at the end of their journey. With only two miles to go, trouble was spotted. Sebastian heard a roar of an engine coming down behind him. Oh, he signaled the others to look back. Panic struck as they realized that it was the same truck that had been bringing them in slaughter all those years ago. It was back for vengeance and the llama meat. No, uttered Diego with despair in his heart. They had come so far and refused to be captured so close to the end. Look, up ahead, yelled Sebastian. Coming at them from the border was the U.S. Animal Rescue Corp. Maybe they really would make it out of this. With the Ecuadorian truck hot on their collective lava tails, they angled toward the rescue vehicle. Oh, it pulled up in front of them and lowered the back gate, and Diego ran up first and then signaled Lucius to go up next. There were two dark-skinned humans on the back, trying to call Lucius onto the truck. Uh, come on, Lucius, yelled Sebastian. Get up there. I'm, I'm not sure about this, guys. I think I'll get on the other truck, said Lucius, hesitating. Dumbfounded, Diego called out to his friend, uh, Get on the truck, Lucius. Don't you recognize the other one? That's from the slaughterhouse truck uh, from Ecuador. And if you go with them, you'll be killed and eaten. I just, I don't know. I don't usually trust these types of guys. Almost, <laughs> he said, shifting his eyes between the two humans. <laughs> Lucius is racist. <laughs> Lucius, what the fuck are you talking about? But before Sebastian could finish his sentence, he was gunned down by a Chilean sniper 1,300 kilometers away for reasons unrelated to the story at hand. Skull fragments and brain matter shocked Lucius in jumping aboard the rescue corp truck. Seeing this, the driver of the Ecuadorian truck was enraged. He couldn't have had the llamas. No one could. He jammed the gas pedal an inch closer to the truck contained the last two llama boys. He's got to run us off the road, called Diego. Ah, I see that now. Good call, Diego. That was extremely obvious. I can't believe it took this idiot so long to realize that's what, was going to, that's what he's going to do. Containing his rage, Diego responded, We have to do something. We can't let him catch us. The truck slowly pulled up along their right side. He was planning to hit their back tire and launch them off the road down the sheer rock face to the treacherous waters below. Saying this as the most likely possibility, Lucius sprung into action. Oh, he bounded up the front of the rescue corp truck and kicked in the front windshield. And then he incapacitated the driver with a swift hoof to the back of the neck. Uh, taking the driver's position seat, he lurched the steering wheel to the right, causing the Peruvian truck to hit the back tire and launch them off the road and down the sheer rock face to the treacherous waters below. The two trucks intertwined and neither could do anything as they fell toward the sea. The Peruvian truck landed first. Unluckily, it hit a large boulder just below the surface and was instantly pulverized before exploding into a ball of steam and flame. All the shrapnel from the exploding vehicle eviscerated everyone in the back of the rescue corp truck. Both vehicles slowly sank, never to be recovered. Fortunately for Lucius, the cabin protected him from the shrapnel and the airbag deployed, uh, just designed, and he was able to exit through the open windshield and floated safely to the surface. Llamas are extremely buoyant. Upon surfacing, he looked around to see that no one but him had survived the crash. Saddened, but knowing he did everything he could to ensure everyone's safety, he resolved to let the currents of the mighty gulf take him wherever it chose. He was finally a free llama. Well, with that, why don't we retire to the smoking room and uh, review what the hell we just read. Well, now that we're settled here in the smoking room, we can review uh, what we just read in this story. Uh, recap... 
Basically, a bunch of llamas are being sold at market. And they're scared they're going to be... Uh, I forgot. I had that bit where the girlfriend left a parakeet in the smoking room. Uh, well, with that, uh, they are at market and they, uh, they're they scared they're going to get eaten. Sold off to get to the slaughterhouse. So, in the end, they get sold to some guy in a blue suit, which they're convinced is going to be a guy for a slaughterhouse, and then they all get in the back of this truck where they have the bars, and they're kind of playing with it. Lucius, who's got a problem where he keeps speaking his thoughts out loud, uh, he's just banging on the bars because he wants to get a food, and uh, so it kind of inspires them to uh, sleep through the night, and they wake up, and boy, they see beautiful rolling hills, and they don't want to be uh, slaughtered. So, another one decides, apparently all along, he knew you can just undo the latch from the outside with your hoof, if you get your little skinny hoof through there. And so he just did that. And then he rolled out onto a, a moving street and he got destroyed. So they wait till the, uh, the truck stops and they all get out and they run away and they spend eight years uh, traveling along, uh, working their way up to America. Then as they get close uh, to the border, they uh, suddenly see some sort of animal uh, people that are going to help them pull up in the truck as they also see the truck that was uh, originally had them is ch- chasing them this whole time looking for them which seems weirdly unrealistic. And then on top of that, uh, there's a sniper (laughs) for some reason uh, that shoots one of them and kills them. And then as they they get onto the truck for the animal control people to help them, uh, uh, apparently Lucius is a little racist, which I wasn't prepared for. (laughs) And then after that, uh, trucks get toppled over off a cliff and Lucius is the only one to survive and he floats down the river, wherever the river is going to take him, probably to the Gulf of Mexico. So, uh... What's good? A highly creative story with a lot of stuff that you didn't expect and some stuff that didn't uh, actually matter to the story, but still had an impact, like the sniper. Uh, What sucks? I can't really think of anything that sucks. Even Lucius being mildly racist was kind of hilarious, so I guess there's nothing really bad about this. What do we learn? It doesn't matter how adorable an animal is or what kind of life they've had in a personal journey for freedom. They could still be racist. So with that... uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, I'm going to be back next week. What have I decided I'm going to read next week? I'm going to read Peter Pan. I don't know why. I've never read that story my entire life, and I've never watched this, the dumb Disney animated film all the way through, so this will be quite the journey for me, and it's probably going to be highly embarrassing for me. So with that, uh, thanks for listening, and I will see you next week where I read Peter Pan. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, uh, along with episodes from the Book Boys and uh, blah, blah, blah. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, which is uh, House Nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, which is also at House Nuzzle. Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, 
you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's gotta be one left. <laughs>